Hi, best friends. I'm Tabby. And I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Poetry Corner. Um, Today we will be discussing the spoken word artist, Buddy Wakefield. He's one of our favorites. Um, He's so cool. Actually, Kyla Ward for introducing us to him. (laughs) Oh, yes. Our ninth grade English lit teacher. (laughs) Um, She didn't like us, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) But she did like spoken word. Yeah, she did. And uh, she did like our work as well. She didn't like us, did like our work. Hey, Kyla, if you're listening. Hey, Kyla, hope you're uh, well. Yeah, I hope you're well. You're pretty cool. I'm sorry, we were kind of annoying. Like, it was uh, us. It was 100% us. <laughs> it's not you, it's us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, personally, I really like Buddy Wakefield's work. He is a spoken word artist. His poems are, well, I feel like poetry in general definitely meant to be read aloud, but like mm-hmm. his is like for sure, like meant to be performed out loud. It is beautiful. He does a lot of, obviously he uses a lot of like sound devices and things that make it sound super cool and unique. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I like him. So I'm just very drawn to things that evoke just like very harsh emotions. And I feel like Buddy Wakefield does a great job of that in every single one of his pieces. Um, also, it's just like us reading this. We're not going to do it justice the way Buddy does. He is just a, a performer and you can tell when he he does these pieces just like how deep he had to dig into his soul for them and so yeah um, it's just like an experience every time you hear it yeah you guys um after listening to this episode you need to go look up him performing his own work because he is just a beautiful performer it's incredible and like Tavio was saying, yeah, I think I'm also drawn to his work because it is, it does evoke a lot of emotion and I love to feel like absolutely like emotionally like, like rickety wrecked. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be destroyed by a poem and yeah. he does that. <laughs> Thanks buddy uh, for doing that for us. <laughs> Thanks buddy. So <laughs> we were going to kind of give you guys a little intro to Buddy Wakefield. So on his website, buddywakefield.com, he has a bio section and I was kind of reading through this a little bit and I'm just going to read this little excerpt because I was like, how fun. So it <laughs> says, Buddy has been a busker in Amsterdam, a street vendor in Spain, a team leader in Singapore, a re-delivery boy, a candy maker, a street sweeper, a bartender, a maid, a construction worker, a bull rider, a notably slow triathlete, a facilitator at Quantum Learning Network, and is the most toured performance poet in history. So like, our man. What can he do? Yeah, I can't say I've ever, like, known that about him. So, Mm-mm. fun fact, he is a man of many talents. Um, I also, I love the quote section on his website. You guys will have to go check it out because it's just a bunch of people quoting his name. So, <laughs> it says, quotes, Buddy Wakefield by Norman Lear. Buddy Amy Poehler. Uh, <laughs> Buddy fucking Wakefield by Annie DeFranco. Hi, Buddy. Van Jones. Butterfield, Amber Tamblin, Bobby, was it? Tilda Swinton. Ah, Tilda, you queen. (laughs) And then a little more, a little more like, you know, like tooting his own horn. I think he's proof that there is a God, Graham Moore. (laughs) Oh, Graham, deep words. I was also going to read an excerpt from his Wikipedia. In 2004 and 2005, he won the individual world 
Poetry Slam championship title. And he hasn't competed in Poetry Slam since 2008, but um, he has built a significant following. And so he does now he does a lot of his own open mic things. So if you guys like to do a little spoken word, I don't know, maybe there's prizes. Spoken words are passion. Put yourself out there. Yeah, check it out. I bet you guys are fantastic. And if you're not, people do will it let anyway. you know. Yeah, do it anyway. What's the worst that can happen? You're not good at it. It's fine. You get booed off the stage and that's fine. That's a learning that experience. Fine. It is a learning experience. You'll build character. And guess what? Um, don't let that stop you. If you want to keep doing it, you just go get yourself booed all the time. Who cares? That's fun. Yeah, you know what that's going to do for you? It's going to create your villain origin story. And that's going to make for some really good stand-up comedy content later on. Absolutely. You got to get traumatized if you want to get funny. So if, <laughs> if you weren't lucky enough to be traumatized as a child, like Tabitha and I, there's still time. Um, just start performing spoken word. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine, by the way. <laughs> we are fine. We've had some therapy. We've had some meds. We're good. Um, and a lot of good friends, loving, Lots supporting friends and family. Good. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Love you guys are our, <laughs> most of our listeners right now. Um, <laughs> so we're going to read for you today our best. We're going to try our best. We're, we're going to try our little Tabby and Caitlin best. <laughs> Which is not great, but it is, you know, all we can do for you. And we're going to read two of Buddy's poems. They are called In Landscape and Hurling Crowbirds at Mocking Bars. Which is probably um, his, like, most famous spoken word. <laughs> I would say so. That's, like, the one they make you watch, like, in high school English class, which is, you know, how we were introduced oh, yeah. to <laughs> Mr. Wakefield. Buddy's technique, like we were saying, because he speaks his poems, he does rely heavily on sound devices. So, for example, he uses a lot of consonants and alliteration. And the only difference between those is that consonants would be the repetitive use of consonant sounds. And alliteration is the same thing, except it's specifically at the beginning of the word. He also has a very chaotic meter going on. He loves enjambment, which we talked about Mm, on. That's my favorite literary device. Same here. I love enjambment. And yeah, um, we talked about that on our Robert Frost Poetry Corner. And uh, he does occasionally use rhyme. But look out when he does, because it's rare and he wants you to be, he wants you to be paying attention at that point. That is for emphasis. Let me tell you, it's (laughs) it's pretty rare. So I'll start us off by reading in landscape. These are kind of long, so bear with us. And then we'll kind of talk about this one before moving on to the other. Break it down for you. Let me just uh, spit some bars for (laughs) y'all. Give me a beat. (laughs) Um, hell, can I get some drums? Our editor? Editor? Oh, just kidding. Oh, yeah, that's right. We don't have one. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We actually don't have any money. We're just doing this for fun. Um, yeah, if you want to support us, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have some merch soon. <laughs> we'll keep you posted. In Landscape by Buddy Wakefield. There is a chance you will show up laughing, made of fortified fan blades and Ferris wheel lights, true of heart and best foot forward, our long-awaited love made easy. Remember for sure, no doubt these things. The joy, we are a point of complete. This life, standing guard over your solitude. My eyes are monsters for most things approaching. I'm probably going to need a hand with that. This heart, this sleeve, neither one of them things is all that clean. 
but the rain, my lucky number, been doing her part to make things right for the light bulbs and the bruises. Hiding holy water was not my forte this life. Forte is French for blanket fort. I have trusted my corners to revolving doors, but am fluent in getting better. We are fluent in bouncing back, lifting quickly, learning fast. Our courage is a natural habitat. You know, we're going to build a body to keep the wolves out. Hold my house, you humble barbarian. This door only opens for the remarkable now. So we will both show up remarkable. Speak your piece from the I can do anything. Say it clearly. Follow through on runways and turbulence. There is a book living inside your chest with dilated instructions on how to make a safe landing. It was written for crash landers. Thank you. I am coming home to listen. It is time. Please forgive me my distractions. There's a freckle on your lip. It is a national archive. Give it to my ear so you can see what I mean. Here, hold my breath. I will be right back. There are gifts hidden beneath these lungs. Slide your hand over my mouth and I will speak them in hang glider in hilltop from the loyalty of a landscape. Silk and a sandpaper offering plate, the jacket on a handsome man. That lip, sweet grape, you cannibal. Kiss my eyes until they see what it is that I wish to write down. Your name. Film strips of prayer. Ribbons of a garden in stereo. Driftwood welded to the guest house. Ring finger wrapped in a horseshoe nail. I will meet you by the eighth daydream in the wide open purpose of a locomotive coming to stand still with the sea. Like thumb on pulse, you watch what happens when the air erupts into suction cups opening up to breathe. Like the love in my lungs took the tip of my tongue and finally taught it how to read. You five acre ladder backed pearl book pouring from a pileated chest of earth. I know our story may look like octopus ink to the rest of the breath in this world flying in under the radar, holding to a pattern of worth. Come closer, you guest of honor. Chickens stay off the porch in quiet and kindly. We are the house gift wrapped in welcome mats. Your dinner's on the table and thanks of that and the loaves of chocolate toast, the book of Job and jet propulsion, raincoats floating in a rocket ship playing naked checkers in bed. It is an utterly epic arrival every time I get to see you again. God, this is what I was talking about for like 37 years, a true story of ocean throat, of grace, the holy goodness glory I was praying to your face. My man, this is what I meant, and this is what I'm meant to do. So sit me down inside us now and let me praise the greatest good in you by laying down my weapons, including the shield, in rest, inception, on cue, my friend, you came, your name, well lit stenciled on the walls of Fremont County years before we even met in landscape, in scope. And so wing-tipped, I rode it down to the ground you walk on with the heels of my helium shoes. Put your ear to the sky and listen, my darling. Everything whispers, I love you. So good. So good. Even though like I can't do it the way Buddy does it. Was it was so like, good. It's good. But also, it's like we are not privy to the thoughts inside of Buddy's mind. And so, unfortunately, we just will never be able to perform it quite as he does. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is fine. so true. He's going to do it best. But that, like, I mean, it, the way that he writes it, it just allows you to perform it 
I think the way it's intended. Like he is very clear where he wants there to be just you naturally a run on sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit how he does that. So we talked about how he uses consonants and alliteration quite a bit. Um, and specifically he will, he will kind of switch up what types of sounds he's using. He'll either use uh, softer sounds or more harsh sounds, uh, depending on, on the mood he wants to invoke and also, um, or sorry, evoke. And also uh, he will use those sounds, the consonants and alliteration sounds to speed you up. Like we were mm -hmm. talking about, it kind of gets the, it pushes the poem forward. It makes you drive forward. So for example, at the beginning, he uses kind of um, softer sounds. So he uses a lot of Fs, Ms, and Bs. So he'll say fortified fan blades and Ferris wheels, foot forward. My eyes are monsters for most things approaching. Uh, for the light bulbs and the bruises, hiding holy water was not my forte. Forte is French for blanket fort. Like he's, you know, they're softer sounds, but they're all uh, repeated. And um, then later on in the poem, it switches up. It's not the soft sounds anymore. It's it's uh, more harsh consonants. Yeah, so like as says, soon as he says silk and a sandpaper. Oh, is that what you're going to say? Yes, yes. <laughs> that is what I was going to say. See, Tabby and I were like, don't get us wrong. We're not like poetry experts or anything, but like we we love to break down a poem. So we both get excited. And yeah, it's like that, that silk in a sandpaper offering plate, it's like the juxtaposition of those textures is like grating. Like if you can imagine like rubbing silk on sandpaper. Oh, first of all, hate that. Second of all, I think that's the point. Cause then from there on his alliteration gets harsher. Ring finger wrapped in a horseshoe nail. I will meet you by the eighth daydream in the wide open purpose of a locomotive coming to stand still with the sea. Uh, watch what happens when the air erupts into suction cups, opening to breathe like the love in my lungs took the tip of my tongue and finally taught it how to read. You five acre ladder backed pearl book pouring from a pilated chest of earth like my guy is popping off at that point. <laughs> I love it. He's amazing. Yeah. No, I really liked that transition. And like, you could tell too, like, that's when you start kind of finding that natural rhythm, which I think is really cool because whenever you're reading those like softer sounds, I think it's almost like kind of up to interpretation, like what the speed is, what like the, the movement of it is because they are such soft sounds. But whenever you do get to, you know, those harder sounds, like it does create its own rhythm. Like you're almost forced into like saying it that way. And I think that's neat. You are. That is such a cool thing. I agree. And I, I love that that's kind of where the mood shifts to. It's like up to this point, it's like you have nothing bad to say about this person at the beginning of the poem. Um, they're amazing. Everything about them is amazing. But then you kind of get down to where the things kind of transition to those harsher sounds. It's like at this point, the love is starting to sound like a little bit more toxic Mm -hmm. um, it's starting to feel like it's got control of you um, in a more negative way than yeah. just being in love with someone and, and being in an equal partnership. This way seems a little like um, you truly can't live without this person. And while, you know, that can that can be like a, a romantic notion. It also can be 
<laughs> you could definitely cross a line to um, unhealthy real quick. Well, and it's almost like in the very beginning, like he very much like put this person like on a pedestal and like talked about loyalty and talked about how, um, you know, he was distracted by their beauty, by like the small things about them. But then he started realizing like the humanity of the situation or like the reality of the situation. That's when he's like, you know, you did these things for me, but you also, you know, were doing these other things at the same time. And I think it just created like a sense of like reality for him. Like, Oh, like, while you know, I do love this person. And it seems like everyone else also love this person. Like they're still just a human. Yeah. That's clear too. Um, in a lot of his poems is kind of the, um, recognizing humanity versus mm-hmm. like, um, more of a, godliness of a-, a godly. Yes. And we'll see that in the next poem as well. Um, and you can, I think another cool thing that he does is, um, kind of, gets his point across about his dependency on this person Mm -hmm. because uh, toward the, like we'll say in the first half of the poem. So before where things start shifting in tone, uh, he says, there is a book living inside your chest with dilated instructions on how to make a safe landing. You go down a little bit further on the second half of the poem. And he says, took the tip of my tongue and finally taught it how to read you five acre ladder backed pearl book pouring from a pilated chest of earth I know our story may look like octopus ink so it's saying that this person you didn't know how to read until this person came into your life and obviously he doesn't mean literally and um so it's interesting that that he says that because it it really gives off the impression that he's super dependent on this person. Like, he's like, I didn't understand anything until, you know, you came and you gave me the instructions. You taught me how to read. I think this one's very similar to hurling crow birds at mockingbirds. Like, I don't know. I just, I love, and we'll see this a little bit more in the next poem. I love that he uses, you know, like religious relation to like his text and like, um, because I think a lot do that too they put you know religion up on a pedestal or they put you know like these religious figures up on a pedestal and then realize later on like they're just people yeah and where he really does that here is at the end god this is what i was talking about for like 37 years a true story of ocean throat of grace the holy goodness glory i was praying to your face first of all ocean throat I fucking love that. Like the imagery that that like forces into your brain, ocean throat. It's like, is that everything's being poured into you or everything's being poured out of you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of, I think it's up to interpretation, but yeah, I feel like that's what I envision. Um, Because of grace, it's like you would want to be receiving that grace down your Well, I think it's them like, yeah, spewing it out and him like taking it in. Yeah. Oh, like a little mama bird regurgitating into your mouth. <laughs> and that's sweet. <laughs> well, that's religion uh, for you. <laughs> <laughs> so then later on, he says, let me sit down inside us now. Let me praise the greatest good in you by laying down my weapons, including the shield. I thought that, that was interesting like as well. To me. Oh, like- you're right in rest like that. inception on cue, my friend, you came, your name well lit. Yeah, you're right. It's very, it's a chant. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. You're so right. 
I didn't even catch that the first time through. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end, he says, I wrote it down to the ground you walk on with the heels of my helium shoes. Put your ear to the sky and listen, my darling. Everything whispers, I love you. What I really love about this is my helium shoes. It's like he was never grounded. Yeah. He was always walking on air, basically. Walking on air. He was never on planet Earth, like Earth to Buddy. Well, I mean, it's probably not literally him, but Earth to Buddy's speaker, Buddy's narrator. Like, you're in a toxic codependent relationship. (laughs) And it's just, but it's beautiful the way he writes it. He makes it sound so romantic. But then you, you read it a second time and you're like, oh, like, that's actually not good. <laughs> yeah. It's a real trip, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so this next one, it's my personal favorite. It's everyone's favorite. Um, it's <laughs> hurling crow birds at mocking bars. If we were created in God's image, then when God was a child, he smushed fire ants with his fingertips and avoided tough questions. There are ways around being the go-to person, everybody, even for ourselves, even when the answer is clear, like the holy water Gentiles would drink before they realize forgiveness is the release of all hope for a better past. I thought those were chime shells in your pocket, so I chucked a quarter at it, hoping to hear some part of you respond on a high note. You acted like I was hurling crowbirds at mocking bars and abandoned me for not making sense. Evidently, I don't experience things as rationally as you do. For example, I know mercy when I have enough money to change the jukebox at a gay bar. Somebody's got to change that shit. You know mercy whenever someone shoves a stick of morphine straight into your heart. God damn, it felt amazing the days you were happy to see me. So I smashed a beehive against the ocean to try and make our splash last longer. Remember all the honey that had me looking like a jellyfish ape? But you, you walked off the water in a porcupine of light, strands of gold drizzled out to the tips of your wasps. This, it's an apology letter to the both of us for how long it took me to let things go. It was not my intention to make such a production of the emptiness between us, playing tuba on the tombstone of a soprano to try and keep some dead singer's perspective alive. It's just that I could have swore you had sung me a love song back there and that you meant it, but I guess some people just chew with their mouth open. So I ate earplugs alive with my throat, hoping they'd get lodged deep enough inside the empty spots that I wouldn't have to hear you leaving, so I wouldn't have to listen to my heart keep saying, all my eggs, they're in a basket of red flags, all my eyes to a bucket of blindfolds, in the cupboard with the muzzles and the gauze. You know, I didn't mean to speed so far out and off, trying to drive your nickels to the well, when you're happy to let the wishes drop. But I still show up for a gentleman practice, in the company of lead dancers, hoping their grace will get stuck in my shoes. Is that a handsome shadow on my breath, sweet woman, or is it a cattle call? In a school of fish, ah, dance with me, less like a waltz for panic and more of the way we hope to swing. The night we took off everything and we were swinging for the fences. Don't hold it against me, my love. You know, I want to breathe deeper than this. I didn't mean to look so serious. Didn't mean to act like a filthy floor. Didn't mean to turn us both into some cutting board. But there were knives stuck in the words where I came from. Too much time in the back of my words. I pulled knives from my back in my words. I cut trombones from the moment you slipped away. And I know it left me looking like a knife fight lady. Yeah, I know it left me feeling like a shotgun shell. You know, I know I might have gone and lost my breath, but I want to show you how I found my breath to death. It was buried under the wind and all the wind instruments hidden in your castanets. 
goddamn, if you ever want to know how it felt when you left, if you ever want to come inside, just knock on the spot where I finally pressed stop, playing musical chairs with your exit signs. I'm going to cause you a miracle when you see the way I kept God's image alive. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is for anybody who needs a safe passage through my mind. If I really was created in God's image, well, then when God was a boy, he wanted to grow up to be a man, a good man. And when God was a man, a good man, he started telling the truth in order to get honest responses. He'd say, yeah, I know. I really should have worn my cross again, but I don't want to scare the Gentiles off. I love it. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. It literally like this poem just gives me chills. People might like say it's like overrated, but I know it's, it's good just because it's it's, it's really good. Like there's a reason why it's popular. OK, but literally go listen to him. Do it. Do not listen to me do this ever again. Just go listen <laughs> to Field perform this. Yeah, I mean, we tried our we tried our little hardest, but it's hard, guys. It's spoken word is hard. If you think you can do it, you're probably wrong. Or you wrote it yourself and you know exactly what it's supposed to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it still might not be good. No offense. I'm sure you guys are are great spoken word. But it sucks. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No offense, but I hate it. Um, Yeah, he does a lot of similar things in this poem. It is very comparable to in landscape again with the alliteration and consonants I think we understand where he's coming from with that something fun about this one is he kind of starts off with uh a little more of the harsh sounds toward the beginning Mm -hmm. instead of waiting till the second half uh with the I thought those were chime shells in your pocket so I chucked a quarter at it hoping to hear some part of you respond on a high note I feel like this poem is like an apology letter but there's there's still bitterness there's definitely sure. still bitterness. Um, so it's kind of like the process of writing the apology. Or maybe it's like more of like an acknowledgement, like to like the end of their relationship, maybe like mm-hmm. he had a chance to sit down and like look at everything that happened and he had time to like process through it. And so maybe it's really just him like rationalizing everything that happened. This is the sister poem to In Landscape. That's this what's happening. Journal entry. <laughs> And landscape is falling in love with this person and hurling crowbirds at mocking bars is the breakup. Yep. Something that I love is uh, this is kind of toward the middle of the poem. He says, so I smashed a beehive against the ocean to try and make our splash last longer. Remember all the honey? And then later he says, you walked off the water in a porcupine of light, strands of gold drizzled out to the tips of your wasps. And that's where I'm um, kind of getting a lot of that bitterness coming through because he's like comparing, he's like, I was a bee. I was a fruitful, gentle little bee making honey and pollinating the the flowers and the field of our love. And you (laughs) were a spiky porcupine wasp. How dare you? First of all, I don't know, like the whole middle part is like my absolute favorite Um, because that's where I get like that apology aspect when he says um it was not my intention to make such a production of the emptiness between us playing tuba on the tombstone of a soprano to try and keep some Doug singer's perspective alive it's just that I could have swore you had sung me a love song back there and that you meant it but I guess some people just chew with their mouth open okay yeah 
Like he's still kind of dissing her at this point, or I don't know. It's like I think it's, it's it is self realization, but it's like it's also a little bit I think tainted mm-hmm. by his emotion. Like he he's so hurt that he can't make his apology like one hundred percent sincere. Like he's right. still placing blame. Yeah, and you see that a lot in the next stanza, and he's like, so I ate earplugs alive with my throat, hoping that they'd get lodged deep enough inside the empty spots, that I wouldn't have to hear you leaving, so I wouldn't have to listen to my heart keep saying, all my eggs, they're in a basket of red flags, all my eyes to a bucket of blindfolds in the cupboard with the muzzles and the gauze, you know, I didn't mean to speed out so or to speed so far out and off, trying to drive your nickels to the well when you were happy to let them wishes drop. And it's just like, I think he realizes like she's not in love with him and he is trying to blame her, but also like, but he's like, it's on me. Yeah. Cause it's like, you can be hurt that someone's not in love with you, but like, can you really be mad about it? Right. God, who hurt you, buddy? I know, dude. I know. And then, like and he knew uh, and he knew in this one that it was like a super bad relationship. He knew that there were red flags, and he's just like, yeah, we're gonna toss these in a basket in the back seat and drive away. And he's like, oh yeah, but remember whenever things were good. Remember when we were dancing. But then the ending is also amazing when you know he talks about forgiveness and that forgiveness is for everybody. Um, and so I think that means forgiveness for himself, forgiveness for her and like the, the willingness to like move on and like come to terms with everything. And the ending of it is really good too. And he said, and when God was a man, a good man, he started telling the truth in order to get the honest responses. He'd say, yeah, I know. I really should have worn my cross again, but I don't want to scare the Gentiles off. And so I think that's him being like, I'd rather her be honest with me. I'd rather be honest with myself and like move on rather than keep doing what we're doing type yeah thing. also he's saying kind of we should have been honest with each other sooner right because like I I also first of all I love that part too that I really should have worn my cross again because it's like wear your cross like on a necklace the way people wear right. it and then also God speaking like wear my cross like bear my cross on my yeah. back but I don't want to scare the Gentiles off. So it's like God is saying, when I show people who I really am, they get scared and they run away from me. And Mm -hmm. I think the speaker feels the same way. He feels like he was so in love with this person. He was super honest about who he was and they didn't love him back. Mm -hmm. And it, it really stung. Right. And it says that at the very beginning too. Um, evidently I don't experience things as rationally as you do. Um, or he'd say like, you know, their ideas of mercy were different. Like their idea, like they're not the same person and they didn't realize that. And then by the end of it, he does understand the differences and comes to terms with it. So you're right. It's not, it's not an apology letter. It's, I don't know. I think it definitely. So he starts off and I think at one point he even says this is an apology, but it's like, it's not sincere though. It starts off and it's not sincere, but at the end, I think it is. I think Which he did fair. this as a way to, yeah, like really just get himself through everything. <laughs> like in real life, I think this was Buddy's way of like. I kind of hope so. I feel like that would make it even better. Buddy, let's talk. Email us and tell us, is this is this something you actually wrote when you went through a breakup? 
send us um, some of your favorite spoken word too. If you have any other Buddy Wakefield poems you enjoy or just spoken word poems in general, we'll probably do another poetry corner like this. Yeah, we definitely, um, we will try our best to read (laughs) anything you send us. Also, uh, join us next week. We will be discussing the love hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Rom-coms, so Uh, freaking good. It is a cute, short little read. You should have plenty of time to to read it this week if you Mm -hmm. get started now. Um, but you can always listen along. We'll, we'll do a little synopsis for you. So, so don't worry about it. If you don't have the time, if you're feeling lazy, or if you just don't, don't have the time, we got you. Absolutely. We do. So yeah, join us next week. And as always, let's get lit.